0: Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast.
1: We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. All right.
2: Grab your cup of tea or sparkling water, whatever you enjoy, and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We're joined by a really special guest that we're stoked to have with us at River House this weekend. So stoked. Darren Roundson. He's a pastor of the Garden Church in, is it The Garden or just, just garden. garden? Just Garden. Oh, excuse me. Drop the The. Drop the The. <laughs> garden Church in Southern California. Uh, Used to be Long Beach, now it's OC. Yeah,
1: it's in Huntington.
0: Okay. I honestly don't know a whole lot about California. Just like California miles south. But I've heard about yeah. it. Yeah. Sounds like a gorgeous place. It is terrific. Yeah. And I, I can just speak for all of us, I know, when I say that we've been incredibly privileged to have you with us and your family this weekend and everything that you've been depositing into our community is something that we're for sure going to be chewing on that will shape us and I think already has shaped us Mm. just in the past 48 hours so like so excited that we have this opportunity to expose more of your wisdom to the whole congregation and um yeah we're just grateful that you're expending so much energy uh, for our sake uh, thank you (laughs) well i
1: I, the feeling is mutual it does feel like god is uniquely joining our communities together our friends you know our i love your pastor i love this church it was Mm. so incredible to worship last night because it just felt like i was home which is you know not always the case when you travel Um, but you guys are an incredible church so i'm delighted to be with you guys (laughs) excited for this Deep Deep waters water. podcast. Let's go. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Now I'm.
2: I'm still just like sifting through all that was last night, and then we've had the staff leadership day today, and I told Benjamin I feel like I'm just kind of balancing a Dr. Seuss like amount of things. Up. Yeah. Uh, there's like an umbrella <laughs> holding a a, a fishbowl and a bicycle somewhere yeah. in there. I'm just like, okay, what do I got to do with yeah. this? So I don't know if this podcast is gonna. Really, let me do that very much. So, right. but uh, I think I think we'll hopefully dive into some of the stuff you talked about Sunday night. Great, which would yeah, be
0: great. It's so fun. I maybe just to dive right in. Have a question. Yeah, if that's cool. About well, what what you talked about that seemed to stand out to me really well in your sermon, in real time, was last night. I don't know when podcasters are going to be listening to this, but um, you said or you were contrasting consumeristic Christianity with radical discipleship. Mm. You used so much terrific language to help us think about like what one lifestyle looks like in contrast to the other and how we can work our way towards, um, deforming the discipleship of the world in order to be transformed into the discipleship of Christ. Really everything you said was so moving. I'm wondering if there's someone who after your sermon suspects, Oh no, I think I might have more consumeristic Christianity in me than I hoped to, or even realized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know where to start. Mm. Um, what would you say to that person? Truth be told, I Mm -hmm. am that person, but I I, think all of us should be. I have a friend that, yeah, there's someone I know, (laughs) (laughs) For
1: um, hypothetical situation. Of course. Yeah. I I love that question. I mean, that's the heart of it, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all, we're we're all swimming in this culture and this church moment has Mm -hmm. created a kind of Christianity that can easily be identified with like the consumer Christian that I labeled. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's more of a confession of my own heart. And I just need, you know, as we even, I share this, I'm not the expert. I'm somebody who's trying to walk with the truth of the scripture, the truth of what I see in discipleship and move people towards, you know, move them down the road one little dot at a time. Um, you know, if, if someone's like, oh my gosh, confronted by that feeling of like, I need to move towards radical discipleship, you know, looking at the list of seven, It's a lot, you know, it's a lot of things. Um, I would start with just saying, why don't you read scripture? Let me be more specific. Why don't you pick like a gospel, Mark, and just begin to ask the question, like, how do I read this as a disciple? Because that's what it was intended for, right? So Mark is writing for disciples. So if this is not just, okay, a story about Jesus, but this is actually a, a historical theology, Right. So this is what happens. So, you know, not just what happened, but what to do. That's that's the gospel of Mark. So I would start by reading that maybe just a chapter a day. Like if you're not reading at all, start with a chapter a day and ask the question, what do I do now in light of what I'm reading in the word of God? And how do I model my life after the lifestyle, after the teaching of Jesus? I would start there and just do that every day for 16 days in the book of Mark and then go to Luke and, you know, pick that one up. And there's 20 something, 24 days Um, and just read a chapter a day and just begin to piece together like, okay, am I allowing the scripture to direct and form my lifestyle? I would like to like frame something like I would say biblical formation is so needed in our culture today. That's like two words I'm putting together. But the idea of allowing the scriptures to form how you live. That's a big one, you know? So Mm -hmm. the contrast to the Word of God directing the affairs of your life would be your personal interests. So how often do our personal ideas, um, ideologies, whatever they are, how often are they in conflict with the scripture they're probably like if you just do a little bit of work you'll see like oh my gosh like my personal preference drives me my desire for more food drives me my desire (laughs) for consuming more stuff is actually the motivation for much of my life but if you just start integrating okay i'm just reading a chapter a day asking the question jesus what does this mean for me today as a disciple of jesus you might get more formation than you think wow just basic
0: i like that you I mean, I don't know that you explicitly said prayer in that, but you just even modeled it by saying, read Mark and then ask Jesus, what does this mean for me? So there's, there's reading scripture that is never yeah. not open to yes. well, that's, inspiration.
1: And, and let's be specific. So like, you know, you read, you should learn how to read scripture. We should study scripture. We should meditate scripture. We should memorize scripture. We should, uh, we should read lots of chunks of scripture. We should take bits and pieces. Like there's not like one way. And when you're reading it for devotion, like you asked the question about discipleship, why not read Mark as a discipleship book? You know, how does this, how does this, how does this direct my life? And asking, inviting Jesus into that conversation as you read a story, you know, that was intended for that purpose, it will do something to Mm, you.
2: That's good. Yeah. I like the way of thinking that of like Mark as a discipleship book, even, I just didn't even know that was like the difference between the different gospels written for different
1: reason perfect yeah yeah absolutely and mark was the first to be written and so it's written by john mark um with the dictation i suppose of peter the apostle Mm -hmm. so you have john mark writing under the authority of peter for the purpose of disciples in rome so you have a quick fast like it's a very fast-paced book and and it really is like a, a discipleship pathway it's like hey the disciples don't know who jesus is for eight chapters you get to chapter eight he's the messiah great now that you know he's going to go to the cross and it's just like Mm -hmm. okay what's going on like but you read that in the lens of how do i live in this moment of culture um with knowing what jesus how he lived what he did why he did it which is the theology piece and and how it's supposed to direct my life that's that's start there
0: that's excellent right and we could end now and that would be that would change lives (laughs) (laughs) totally So if you're listening and you don't have a bible uh let us know and we'll get you one there you go yeah <laughs> no for real truly we would love to do that i'd be the happiest gift that's good and um oh i'm sorry i just drew a blank
2: you're good Take I, it. I i mean i have a question sort of sort of on the same topic yeah. is i think we haven't talked a lot about spiritual disciplines at yeah. riverhouse a ton okay we've mentioned it here on the podcast a lot because we you know, enjoy the resources of practicing the way. And like, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff. And so we've talked a bit about fasting. We've talked a bit about prayer and the benefits of silence and solitude, things like that. Um, but I think for people that aren't accustomed to that, it does, it can feel burdensome. Mm. And even, I think there was a moment when you were talking, um, or when you were preaching last night where you kind of, you threw up on the screen, read the Bible, pray, and don't do anything wrong. I think part of half the crowd was like yeah that's that's the way to live yeah. and the other and and they even got some like amens in that section and i was like oh i think he's actually going to turn this on a little bit but for those people that are like you know this is all you got to do yeah adding all this other stuff on there how yeah, is it yeah. i don't know i guess the question <laughs> does it how does it not feel burdensome totally. or legalistic or those kinds? yeah of
1: things? i think i mean part of me i go to galatians and i look at the, the temptation of the church is to do two things. Uh, it's to turn the grace we've been given, you know, into religion, right? So the, the Judaizers turning back from the grace towards the law, which would be turning spiritual disciplines into how you work your way to Jesus, right? So oh, yeah. Dallas Willard says grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So wow. doing the disciplines is not going to give you performance, you know, medallions or whatever it is. Like, yeah. it, it's actually, uh, you partner in grace in the process of becoming like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the other temptation is just to reject any sense of for- training or formation at all. And you indulge in the freedom you have. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the two ways we go. We're like, we're not going to do anything at all. We're going to turn it into religion. The way forward is to the power of the spirit, walk in the spirit, keep in step with the spirit but i think in many ways by omitting the fact that jesus anticipates you being a disciple you, you can't um you can't just believe in my opinion you can't just believe that jesus is the messiah and then keep on living your life the way you live yeah. it requires a radical transformation a radical overhaul in that in the same way that okay you uh you're single and then you get married and now you have a brand new identity. You are a husband, and you have this whole new set of responsibilities. You move from a single, uh, you know, living with roommates. Um, you know, you're completely independent. You're dating, but you you live separate from your spouse or your soon-to-be spouse. And then you you get married, and now you have all these new responsibilities. You have to pay rent, just you two. You have to uh, pay for insurance and your me- all the medical oh, yeah. and all all these things, right? I'm, I remember when I got married, it was like I was 22. I was so young, but like, I realized when I got married, there was an entirely different way of existing with somebody else, right? Like we wash the sheets every week. Like once Mm -hmm. a week you I didn't do that as a single dude. Like, (laughs) like, like there was a particular brand of toilet paper that was required in a household. Like it was always (laughs) the cheapest and there was a way it went on the toilet paper roll. Like apparently Mm -hmm. there's a way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, joking jokes aside, like toilet paper and, you know, sheets being washed. There's way more going on in marriage, but I wasn't, I had to learn how to live into that identity. Mm -hmm. Like the pastor said, you're a husband, you know, kiss, kiss your wife. I'm like, I had to, I didn't have it down. And my singleness wasn't out of me all the way. Right. Like, so I have an introverted wife and all of a sudden we're like hanging out just her and I five nights a week. I'm like, you're killing my social life. What's going on? (laughs) And I had to navigate this new identity with new responsibilities mm-hmm. and new requirements. In the same way, discipleship is like that. You say yes, and your your life is a certain way because it's been formed by a cultural perspective, your yeah. world, your history, your, your context, your family system, all of that. And then you slowly begin to grow towards Christ-likeness. Now, prax- practices or spiritual disciplines, or I like to say a, probably a more helpful word is like counter formation practices like Mm. if the default setting is being formed and discipled by the world then we have to see our life as this counter formation meaning that we're set in a direction and now we're going to learn to do another thing so if you've learned to play basketball for example you learn i talked about this like you don't get really good at dribbling. For the sake of dribbling, you get good at dribbling to play the game. You don't get really good at doing free throws, um, or, or, you know, stay, you don't just stay focused on staying in between the lines. So you don't go out of bounds. You learn in the beginning, the fundamentals so that you can play the game without thinking about it. Mm. I see spiritual disciplines as that. So Everyone's different taking on fasting or taking on prayer a certain way. And because someone else did it a certain way, it it needs to ebb and flow based on your personality, based on your stage of life, based on, um, the way you connect with God. Some people love to study the word and go deep for hours in the word. Some people will take long walks and pray and talk to God. There, there's all, all these different ways we can integrate formation into our life and practices of Jesus into our life. Um, like one thing that I struggle with is being in a hurry. Mm. Like so John Mark wrote a great book on mm-hmm. this. And but there are disciplines associated to helping you slow down. Yeah. And it's called like in the church world, it's like the discipline of slowing. And I remember my mm. spiritual director years ago was like, All right, these are the practices you're gonna you're gonna do. You're gonna choose the longest line at the grocery store every time. Wow. I'm like, I'm so efficient. I'm like calculating the, you know, how many people have what in their 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 baskets. And, you oh, know, yeah. I would go to the fastest way or driving. I'm so good at maneuvering and getting mm-hmm. there faster. And he's like, you're going to take the slow lane the entire time and not change. <laughs> like these, these yeah. are like, what is going on? It's like Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. You don't know you're learning how to do a counterattack. If you've seen Karate Kid, the original, Um, you don't know what you're doing, but that's what it's doing to your soul. It's shaping you to do the things that Jesus would do without having to think about it. That's what spiritual disciplines are for.
0: That's so good. That's really good. I like how practical that is because I think anybody can relate even though you say we don't have traffic here, like you have traffic in SoCal. Yeah. Um, and I think anyone can relate to yeah. the frustration of being stuck in some kind of commute that they don't want to be stuck in. Oh yeah. Um, and that like agitation that starts to well up inside of you isn't probably going to produce Christ likeness unless you have some kind of like practiced disciplined character that you've woven into your spirit by the power of the Holy spirit to make you look more like Christ in traffic. And you just yeah. brought but up such this, a good example this, of it. Okay.
1: This is so good. <laughs> what what we tend to do is we go, okay, let's let's go somewhere else. Like let's go, um, you talk about that agitation inside. Let's talk about how how agitating it is to have new children, like brand new babies, that wake up in the middle of the night, that don't that fuss and they they make a mess and their little kids are professional messmakers, they don't always listen. Like that agitation that you might have driving is probably exacerbated as a young mom or a young dad, right? Mm-hmm. And what we do is we think, well, spirituality is lighting a candle, putting on that Bethel music or whatever music you're listening to, mm-hmm. grabbing my journal and sitting with this, the scriptures for 45 minutes. And we make it this thing disconnected from reality. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Jesus ever intended. So what we have to see is actually the, 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 the space for Christ-likeness is wherever you are. Mm. So take the frustrations with the little ones, waking up four times a night for new moms. Mm. Make that the space that transforms mm. your impatience. Wow. Use that as a counterformation. So I, I that's what happened to me when I had little kids. like I was praying for patience, and the Lord told me one day, he's like, I, I answered your prayer with little kids. Mm-hmm. That's how you grow in patience. And wow. And I think that's the thing is we often, don't see like the holistic integration of our life with Christ is everywhere. And it, you know, brother Lawrence has a book practicing the presence of God. And it, it's the idea of like, you can be washing pots and pans. He used to wash pots and pans, right. As a monk. And he had this vibrant spiritual life there. And I think that's, that's what we do is we see all of life as the training ground for Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. So rather than, and also, let me just say taking, like noticing those frustrations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The key is not to shame yourself. Like, oh, I'm not like Jesus. This is what we do, right? We get paralyzed by how broken we are. And then we shame ourselves going, I need to change so much. Like, I'm always angry. Going, no, no, no. What if I take the anger, I take the frustration, I take the irritability, I take the emotional reactivity, and I use that as prayer and worship. So now rather than shaming, I go, Lord, be with me in this irritability. Mm. Help me. like." And, and rather than feeling always beating yourself up, inviting God into that.
0: That's excellent. That's what it means I'm imagining when Paul says to pray without ceasing. That's exactly it. Because there's never something that is welling up inside of me that I'm not presenting before the Lord if I'm actually practicing presence. That's excellent. And so practical. It, it, you can't be a Sunday Christian, which, like as another term for that consumeristic right. Christianity. Yeah. Cause wow, the Lord is so pervasive and it's holistic. Yeah. Um, when, I, whether I'm running or I'm frustrated about how expensive the shoes are that I want to buy or something it was like, well, let me actually be encountered by Jesus in that moment. Yeah. Um, cause I'm thinking the life of, um, uh, any Christian that, is operating in some kind of Western consumeristic mindset, um, maybe we have a veil over our eyes where we can't even really see Mm. like the trance that sometimes the world has gotten us into. Yeah. Like, uh, um, we don't always see the formation that the world has, um, has had over us that now needs to be deformed, um, which I guess is why we need community like what would you say to a person who says i am sure that i need a lot of help but i don't even know what areas i need help in yeah yeah uh
1: well first of all yeah i don't think you can follow jesus without community so i i think there's like a lie in the individualistic narcissistic society and culture we are gr- swimming in um that that makes you think you can do me and myself and jesus like that's not even a thing you know in the bible is so clear that if you are if you're a follower of jesus you're 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 the bride you're part of this body and you need to be belong to a body and so you need to be able to belong to whether that's i think everyone should be a part of a local church even if it's a house church like be a part of a local body people who have different opinions dress differently think differently they're not you know coffee dates with your preferred person there are That's people that, that do two things, like community will always, biblical community will always bring exposure and encouragement. Mm-hmm. So exposure is, this is, they're, they're holding a mirror up. So it's in the same way that marriage holds a mirror up, we need to do better at this, especially for our single brothers and sisters. Like they need to be in covenantal community where people have access to give them feedback. Mm-hmm. So, hey, like I, I joked about this on Sunday, but Uh, what I see in a younger generation is the inability to allow their yes to be yes. Like, like that's a biblical command from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like your yes is yes. Your no is no. Mm -hmm. What I see is a maybe culture that will hold out for the best opportunity. Mm -hmm. So they'll say yes and they will change any minute. You know, they'll text last minute. I'm not going to come. And that's a character flaw and we should have community saying, Hey, you keep backing out last minute. Why are you backing out? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Like, What's underneath? Oh, it's like you know, FOMO, whatever that is, like fear of missing out, or it's like an inability to actually show up and be present because you have an insecure, like maybe you have insecurity, maybe you have fear, maybe you're, but you're not telling us. You're just not showing up. Yeah. And and the same way that exposure to the brokenness, which is what we, that's the process of sanctification, right? So, marriage, if it was as a sacrament, if it is, if you consider it a sacrament. Uh, is a a a visible sign of an invisible grace and it's designed to help you become the person you're designed to be in christ so your husband or your wife become part of the process part of the growth strategy jesus gave you for becoming like him that community should be like that for all people and then encouragement is the other side where they just speak life this is what i see in you i'm encouraging you we live and if you think about culture We love to cut people and bring them down and criticize and the church is designed to affirm and encourage that is the language of the kingdom of god so Mm -hmm. we just speak life and destiny into people so real biblical community is calling out the broken saying i see this and you're being okay with the fact that you're being called out you know like you're you're consuming so much like i have a group of friends that hold each other accountable and the way we do this is like I have a friend who's like, "Hey, I've noticed the way you are hard on one of your kids. I just, what's that about?" Calls it out when we're hanging out. Hey, uh, we bring we bring an encouragement. Like one of my friends was discerning buying a, a Sprinter van. He's like, "Hey, would you be in this process?" We have a commitment to if we spend a, over a certain amount of money, we have to bring it to each other before we buy it. Wow! Because we want to be held accountable to the way of the kingdom. So. And, and there are times when it's like, hey, not right now. We said that. And there are times when it was a process, months of waiting and praying together. And like, yeah, go for it. And that's where we get. That's where we grow, right? You're mm. giving people access to your life. And then you become a better person. Or not a better person. You become more fully alive.
0: Whoa. Oh, that's good. I'm thinking about how in independence there are dysfunctions that can thrive in the darkness. And that's probably exactly where the enemy wants them because they're not exposed to any kind of... Uh, community or uh, conviction that can call us out and that feels nice yeah to like um to a soul that's in some kind of bondage mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i can hide here yeah.
1: a- aa has a great saying if you isolate you're sick wow that's great so i yeah. think the church should have the same
0: <laughs> expression right if totally. you isolate you're sick Cause I'm imagining that in our hyper individualistic culture, like what you just said about submitting your financial decisions to an accountability group, to hold you accountable to the ways of the kingdom. There, there would be a lot of people that would say, Whoa, that's so invasive or like, I don't think that other people should have that kind of say in what I do with my money, like what is rightfully mine. And so even just in you giving that as an example, I think there's an opportunity to expose a way of the world a yeah. way of like our western financial individualism. Totally. With with the way of the kingdom.
1: Well, yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, we think deci- Jesus wants to disciple us in our spiritual lives. Right? So we we I have these like gospels that I love, but the American gospel is the compartmentalized gospel. It just keeps Jesus with my spiritual life. Mm. He what Jesus wants is your whole life, right? He wants to disciple you in your marriage and your parenting. In your singleness in your sexuality in your dating life in your finances with your time I always talk to our church about like you got to see your discipleship like an audit if Jesus was to audit your financial statements or audit your web browsing would the world see Jesus Wow like that's how we need to see our wow. allegiance to the Lord like we are talking about being formed as people not spirits Like we're not like Casper, the friendly ghost. Like we are living physical embodied incarnational followers of Jesus. And that requires a holistic approach to how we follow him. So the kingdom should be expressed in every aspect of our soul.
0: Oh, this is brilliant.
2: Yeah, This is so good. I, I, uh, And married, and have a two-year-old. And praise God, God. he also just got married like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So
1: you're gonna have all those things happen to you. Toilet paper. You'll (laughs) see. I promise. I'm gonna clip out that part just for him to listen to (laughs) and repeat. Just repeat.
2: But yeah, I'm. I think one thing that you touched on during our staff time, uh, and I'd love for you to kind of touch on it here, was about how, um, kind of this this entitlement that creeps in as I deserve this. I, and like the, and for spiritual disciplines, like this victimhood of like, I don't have time to take care of myself kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when talk cause life gets busy, you know? And like, that's what I, we, we're kind of just fighting for right now is life is busy. It doesn't feel like we have 10 minutes alone at yeah. home or just like our families at home. So like yeah. how have, what ways have you kind of, shaped your life and rhythms you picked up in your own family to kind of help make this all happen
1: well let me just say anytime you are talking about rhythms like life stage matters so like parents of preschool age kids will have the hardest time Mm -hmm. no matter what in the church in spirituality and you just need to there's a book called domestic monastery by ronald rollheiser you have to read that book (laughs) we give it to all our new parents it's basically this idea of spirituality through parenting but Like so, you will have less time to care for your soul. So, like, you have to develop a rhythm. Like, what time am I going to bed? What time am I waking up? So I can be alone with the Lord. Do I do a workout? Like eating. Like you, you have to structure your time more intentionally because you basically are at the will of a two-year-old, and that's that's that is reality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But also, that is your spiritual growth, right? So Ronald Roheiser talks about how the the young the mom of a young child is getting the kind of self-denial that monks get
2: <laughs> wow, yeah. because
1: you know the monks would have a bell ring and they would go to the next thing it was the prayer hour or the work time and a mom of a little a little kid a two-year-old wakes up in the middle of the night they have a bell ringing you mm-hmm. know they have a bell ringing every time they need to nap or change a diaper or mm-hmm. you know eat get another snack for the fifth time they're not eating lunch they're eating five snacks like it doesn't make oh, sense yeah to, you know like mm-hmm. so Take that, (laughs) take all, like this is that Romans 12, like take that as make it a living sacrifice. Wow. Right? So take that as your spiritual practice. Now, growing and stewarding your soul requires an intentionality. Like Mm -hmm. we all have 168 hours a week. No one gets more, no one gets less. We all have equal amounts of time. Now, those that have, you know, that are single have more time than those that are married. Those that are married, Um, without kids we'll have more time than those with kids and the more kids you add the more less freedom you have that's the reality don't see it as like oh like one of the problems we have is like I just I deserve my time yeah right like culture is all about this like you get what you deserve like you you know it's like it's all about it's it's all about you yeah and they think and one of the things i see in parenting i'm just going to say it and you can edit it (laughs) is like the victimhood of parents yeah like it's the trauma of parenting like we're Mm -hmm. like traumatized as millennials when we become parents like Wow. The goal is not yeah. yourself in your life. Your goal is Christ likeness. And if you get the gift of having a child, like you you are now, you get the privilege of stewarding life. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't you did that. You yeah. chose that. Mm-hmm. And all the consequences come with that and make that the best possible gift you can give. Yeah. Like being a father, a loving present father to a child is what this world needs to see. Mm -hmm. So make that like, make that your ambition, make loving your wife an ambition and your goal, make loving your children an ambition and a goal over making sure I get to like hang out on call of duty. Like, I don't understand. Like that's the priorities warped in this world. So I -hmm. would just like really get your values (laughs) and your heart set. And as disciples of Jesus, we don't have time to waste. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, we don't have time attitude. to waste. Yeah. And as long as we're playing like church games, consumer Christianity, yeah, you can, you can be upset, you can figure it out. But if you're a disciple, you don't have time to waste.
0: Would so, you? I love that. And I feel like there's an ocean of depth, even in that phrase as a disciple, you don't have time to waste. Could you unpack yeah. what you mean by that?
1: I mean, it's Ephesians, right? So I'm just quoting Paul. <laughs> Yeah, let's just like, read the Bible. Let's just read the Bible. Um, <laughs> so Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5. He, he says, um, he says make the most. He says, be careful then, verse, verses 15 of chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then it goes on, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And instead, be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Like, so I think about this regularly, like as a, this letter, Ephesians is unique to all the epistles, right? So it was a circulated uh, letter without like one specific place. Um, so he's not writing in response to something. It's like his thesis for the local church. And in there, in chapter you know, it's four or five and six are like what we do in response to what God has done as followers of Jesus. And, and he's instructing the church on how to live. And this little line is like, hey, be careful then how you live with and he talks about being full of wisdom and making the most of every opportunity you see this sense of urgency in paul where he he knows time is running out he knows that the the window for for ministry is is unique and and there's not a sense of like this church life exists just for me to hang out and enjoy it yeah sure i I think he lives with this impulse for mission like Mm -hmm this commission sense of I'm here for a purpose. And I think what we've done is we made the commission optional. Yeah. Right. And we've made following Jesus a self project where Jesus exists for my betterment and pleasure. Hmm. Not I am the Lord's and he is mine, not he is the King and I will follow his leadership. We're, we're, we're building churches to make it convenient and comfortable. And what i see so often is so many christians are just in some ways they're trying to survive life right but part of that survival of life is because their mindset has been warped by culture so they see like parenting Mm -hmm. is so hard and they and i get it parenting is the hardest thing i've ever done yes it is so hard so much sacrifice it's not easy to give your life away that's what you do when you parent but don't be a victim to it you got you you have a child like go for it or you know they we struggle to do hard things as millennials and Gen Z it's even harder. Like Mm -hmm. we are all about comfort and convenience. Like Mm -hmm. don't there's, I don't want to over, I'm not overstating. I don't want, I'm making a generalization, but it's so clear, like doing hard things and recognizing that faith is a journey that requires hardship and trials. Like it's promised by Jesus. It's it's promised by the book of James. Like we just have to embrace that life is going to be hard. Yeah. Accept it and we can do hard things Mm -hmm. and then organize our lives around the calling as disciples of jesus versus the comforts and pleasures of our of our culture and i think that's a big shift so if you're not bought into being a disciple don't do that why would you want that but if you recognize that that's what he's called you into this is what he's inviting you into this is the commission life that all followers of jesus are commissioned to but we've just made it a lot easier in the church because we've we've made discipleship the least common denominator like let's just say a prayer and then you just keep doing your thing. Mm -hmm. That's never, where is that in the Bible? Mm -hmm. And that's hard for people to hear. Yeah. So this will be controversial. It's not in the Bible. So what's in the Bible is radical discipleship.
0: (laughs) Amen.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So That's so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Just how much we're formed by the world of even like being so disconnected of our, uh, mortality, you know, like I've got all the time in the world or it's like, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. And like, that's never promised. It's like explicitly no. not promised in the new Testament. Yeah. And man, it's just, that's a re- rewiring that I even need of just the urgency of, yes. of, oh man, I saw that person on the street, but if I see him again, you yeah. know, instead of yeah. like now is the time, you know? Yeah. Even just now's a time for radical love, you know, Yeah. not even just getting tallies of salvations on your it, arm. Or now's
1: the time to be a great husband, Yeah. to be a good father. Now's mm-hmm. the time to, to take care of your body. Now's a good time to work hard and give generously. Like it, we can over spiritualize it. It's just like, now's the time to live fully alive in Jesus. Yeah. Like that's it. There And like a lot of people are wandering without purpose. They don't realize, you know, church is more of an event that they attend than it is part of the, the calling on their life to extend to the world. So I think in many ways, it's just a matter of, 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 uh, I mean the word for repentance in Greek is to change one's mind. So in many ways the Christian needs to repent and be a disciple. Mm. That's it. Yeah.
0: That's a good word. I'm, I'm thinking in light of some of the things that we've said here and that you said on Sunday, um, we are an event attending church that goes on Sundays and sits in a row and receives something as a consumer so often, or we think, man, I'm actually going to be like pretty devout in my faith and choose to read spiritual books and listen to spiritual podcasts and consume more content. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I've wondered, even like to make it practical, because I love John Mark Comer and his, everything that's happened at Bridgetown and um, where Bridgetown has gone, even since he stepped away and done practicing the way um, he always would say at the end of a sermon, everything's up at practicing or at on our website. Yeah. Um, This is the spiritual discipline of the week that relates to this teaching. So the now what was given from the pulpit. Um, This is where the rubber is going to meet the road for this sermon. And I always wondered, if I was in that church, how much buy-in would it feel like there actually was? Like, are people actually engaging in those disciplines and those practices? Um, As a head pastor that's Mm. like going after that in a church, um, how much buy-in do you feel like you have from your congregation? Do you think you look at a room full of consumers when you're going after this all the time
1: well yeah I think that's a great question and and, you know I think I know that John Mark and and Bridgetown has has tracked you know participation in that way I think like it's so funny because like in the same way that John Mark had practices you know you look at the seeker growth church or seeker church model they always had like the three applications right so it's not a new like here's how you apply the word and here's Mm -hmm, how you practice and like it's not new you know Uh, I, I don't i don't really know how to like it's hard to con constr- to be um thinking about metrics right like how do you judge the success of the church like so sure. you know you have totally all right people in attendance and you have baptisms and you have so like that was and then tied like those are the three things you know and then <laughs> and then it's like okay people practicing the disciplines like that's a great way you can you can track it online you could say how many are in small groups or house churches or whatever you're doing um How many people came forward to respond to the ministry of the spirit? You know, like how many people got healed? Like these are things you can just equate it with. Um, That's why for me, like my task is to be faithful as the leader of the church in leading us towards a direction. Uh, I used to concern myself with trying to get people somewhere. Hmm. I now just feel like the best illustration I have is like, I'm just a gift that they can reject or receive. So rather than being obsessed with how do I track who's really doing it, I'm really trying to be obedient towards modeling a lifestyle. And so my track tracking is how many disciples have I made personally. Mm-hmm. So I have disciples that are making disciples who have made disciples that have made, I mean, we're talking five, six, seven generations, right? Wow. So and and it's not as programmatic. I don't I don't think that you would see that. It's not as like okay well i'm tracking all that it's it's a life Mm -hmm. to be followed like if you judge the success of the new testament churches um based on the letters you're like man these are epically failing churches like Mm -hmm. major sin in corinth you know major sin in crete like we're talking like galatians is freaking preaching the wrong gospel like uh, there's so many issues like Ephesus has problems timothy's fixing like different cults like so you like okay how did they judge it there's not like a simple way and like you're like i want to be a new testament church like okay well peter led a different style than paul Hmm. than john like it it, we try to really simplify it but at the end of the day it comes down to like obedience and it comes down to faithfulness and it comes down to life transformation i think we just all we are doing is planting seeds
0: that's excellent and i guess another thing that i'm hearing from you that is currently convicting me. <coughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you're good. You're good. No Take worries. Okay. Um, I'm feeling convicted by even just th- this realization that I've been having since you just answered my last question, which is, I really want my life to be measured by how well the people I'm ministering are doing. Oh, yeah. uh, How well the people I'm ministering to yeah. are doing. And... There are so many people, maybe this is more a realization for a minister than just the lay person, Mm, but mm. maybe it's for all of us because we're all called to be disciple makers. Um, I I can pour hours into a person's life and sometimes get so frustrated, like, where is the fruit? And then how is my life measured by the fruit of the people I'm pouring into? As if um, I want to control all of those outcomes but i guess what i'm hearing you say that i love so much is let me just model christ imitate christ yeah as paul did so well and do my best to give everything oh. that god has given me away yeah and invite other people into that and i'm not responsible for other people's responses for those who have ears to hear let them hear yeah for those who have a desire to come let them come and for those who desire to reject let them reject And allow me to spend time on the ones whose ears are open? I I don't know. Did I rephrase that in a way that made sense? No. would you correct anything I just said?
1: No, I think think what we do is we try to compare ourselves to make meaning um, based on a standard that is not from Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So we do this all the time in the church. Like, oh, you're a young pastor. Like, I'm looking at John Mark or I'm looking at... You know, there's always been pastors that people are, want to emulate, and then they strive to become like. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like Paul had little, you know, Paul's Timothy and um, Titus and others. But I think what's happened in the world is like we're we're looking left and right, we're trying to make sense of the meaning of our life based on the comparative work of others. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think discipleship to Jesus is about personal obedience mm-hmm. so there's never been a you before there's never been a me before and what does it look like to be fully alive in jesus in this moment of time with the resources the knowledge the pain the trials the suffering the kids the spouse with their personalities it's like you can't make it about anything else other than i'm going to live my life in community faithful to jesus and what he's put in front of me that's mm-hmm. what we have to do mm-hmm. and on? and and we got to we have to stop comparing we have to stop playing like a scorecard game of performance and and invite Jesus into the ordinariness the mundane and live from there
2: that's so good
1: that's and- contentment by the way that's where you get contentment that's good
2: What's a what's a spiritual practice that like helps foster contentment?
1: <laughs> uh, simplicity, mm-hmm. um, generosity, gratitude. Um, so I think gratitude's the beginning. So you start by just writing grateful what you're grateful for every day. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time. i do like I think I need to do. I this. have a gratitude list for <laughs> my my wife and each boy. Mm-hmm. That I just add every day. And then every year I do a gratitude list that I just add a few every day. Because why do I do that? I'm very critical. Mm-hmm. So, my counterformation to yeah. criticism and negativity is gratitude. And gratitude is, you know, thanksgiving is a sacrifice to the Lord. So, I'm recognizing that it comes from the Lord, like the gift of my wife. I need to have eyes to see because, you know, 16 years of marriage, yeah. you know, leading a church together, like you can have a lot of hard things that you experience and you lose the eyes to see what is good. Yeah. Um, Simplicity is a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, most Christians don't want to do that in the West. Yeah. We're obsessed with consuming. And totally. so l- putting limitations on what you consume as a, at first season is important. Uh, and then I, I, I this is so weird, but like, most christians i think the stat the statistic is 2.5 percent of regular churchgoers tithe Mm -hmm. so i i i think you're not even Mm -hmm. like if you don't tithe and you're a regular churchgoer you're just i think you're off so i'm gonna say it like hard here no we should (laughs) we we just did
2: a podcast on finances oh dude this is a big one this
1: is probably the the most important place for your discipleship is with your money Mm -hmm. because it's it's the greatest threat to your discipleship named by jesus Jesus says in Matthew 6, you cannot serve both God and mammon, that Aramaic word for the deity of wealth and materialism. So if there's a word for the American church, it's that you can't serve both. And he gives us some really clear instructions. And if you're like, oh, the Old Testament's a tithe. And like, actually, the Old Testament's like 23.3% of your income was given, not just 10. Sure. But then in the New Testament, it's like everything's the Lord's. Mm Mm-hmm. So generosity is recognizing that it's all His. Yeah. And then He invites you into how much you get to keep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And tithe is why I like the tithe. First, it's a it's a discipline of, uh, of submission and a lack of control. We love giving with control. Tithe is saying, this is all the Lord's and yeah. I, I honor the house of the Lord. So it's to a local church. You can't tithe to missionaries. You give above and beyond to missionaries. You tithe your income to missionaries. Uh, or sorry, you dive to the local yes, church yeah. and then and then you give above and beyond. And I, I also think the discipline of generosity is so important for the church today. So you should look for ways to be extravagantly generous mm-hmm. towards the people around you because money also shapes your spirituality i just say one more thing on this since we're on it and i'm passionate about it i love it (laughs) jesus talks about money more than anything else except for the kingdom of god so Mm -hmm. more than prayer more than love more than discipleship he talks about the uh, money and he names it as the greatest threat money's not the root of all evil it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, but in our discipleship, in our context, like being free from being owned by our stuff is a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a powerful tool when you're like, none of this is mine and it's all stewarded on behalf of the Lord. Like you will see, you will see wealth and you will see stewardship and you'll see generosity. You'll see the kingdom expanded because generosity is at the heart of God. Oh, that's so good. I, obviously I like this one. So no, it's
2: that's so good. It's, it's, Pointed to what we've been talking about even on the podcast truly really, over the past, you know, month. So mm, that's great. Cool. I, you brought up the third, do you want to talk about the
0: 30%? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is something you said this morning. So yeah. the average parishioner hadn't heard it, but I thought this was so fun. You said one of our rules at garden church yeah. is that on Sunday you tip 30%. Yeah. Um, which just triggered a bunch of questions in my head. You yeah. said one of our rules. I'm like, yeah. Oh fun. Do you have a lot of rules? Um, and like what values inspire those and do you feel like the church gets behind it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, I have an extraordinarily generous church. They, every time there's an opportunity to give, they give above and beyond generously. So I had this thing happen where we were talking about generosity Mm -hmm. and I I just had practices for generosity and it was around Christmas time and I'm like, man, you know, I think uh, uh, I felt like the Lord was like, start tipping thirty percent, and I, I invited our church into it, and I went to a, a restaurant and I ended up tipping thirty percent, and they asked me, "Do you go to the garden?" And I was like, "How crazy is it that someone spotted yeah. me as a gardener because of my tip?" <laughs> and, I, and then it became like this ongoing thing where we're always saying like, tip thirty percent, like in general, it's like we want to give above and beyond. Yeah. We want to be known by our generosity. I love and, that. And so, and, and there's so many ways our church gives, um, but that's just like an easy one. Like, so there's seasons where we're like, Hey, if you can't do that, don't go out to eat, go out to eat less. So you can do that. And mm-hmm. that, that was kind of what we were training people in, in the, in the discipline of generosity. But yeah, I mean, we have a rule of life we, we, we've created over the years. And so there are rules or. Um, rhythms, you know, things we care deeply about. Like we, we pray for the sick every Sunday. Like that's a rule, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we believe, um, like all the things I'm talking to you about, like they have been integrated into the life of our church over the last 14 years. We, we believe, um, that the the values we 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 talk about have to be behaviors we live out right so so we don't want to just we we practice hospitality as a rule you know we all these things mm-hmm. when i talk about honor you know the way i get our church to honor guests is to bless them you know like uh, i told you the story today about the missionary that came in visiting i'm like i had no idea who was in town and he shows up on a sunday and it's like Normally, we'd take an offering. We'd like take treat, you know, treat up his family, and like we give gifts to the families that are full-time missionaries in the overseas. And I'm like, dude, how did you not tell me you were coming? Like, there's yeah. a whole thing we want to. So yeah. I'm like, I just put him on stage and put his Venmo up. I'm like, I'm gonna make it happen. Like, and people <laughs> Venmoed him, you know, and he received thousands of dollars from from a, a spontaneous offering. So good. Um, those things are what keep us, you know, grounded. And so there's a lot.
0: I love that. Oh, and that just bolsters the sense of unity in your community, I imagine. It's like, man, we are in this work of kingdom together. Yeah. And when you throw radical generosity at that missionary and see all of your brothers and sisters around you doing the same, yeah, um, I imagine there's this really inspiring sense of, this is us laying the bricks of the kingdom yeah, actively. Yeah. You recognize you're a part of something so much bigger than yourself. It's huh. so good.
2: I have a kind of, it's not, it's still kind of on this rule topic, but it's something that I've been mulling over and with the news about the loneliness epidemic that we've seen and, and just, we're kind of really starting to see the, um, the negative effects of social media Mm -hmm. even. And I'm curious, like, do you feel like we might need to start be thinking about rules sort of around Uh, how to interact with it? Uh,
1: Yes. Do we
2: interact with it as Christians? Like that's kind of a question that I'm pondering right now.
1: Well, okay. Here's what's hard. Um because this is something I have a love hate relationship with. I've debated, I've taken seasons, I called the digital desert like every Christian should take a digital desert season mm-hmm. and get off all forms of media. We do this regularly as a staff, as a whole church. We got off in 20 last year we were off social media the entire year. We didn't use it as a church. we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't um, use it as an organization, and we told our whole team, everyone to get off. Part of that is just wow. to, to recognize the power of technology. Like I, I think actually we do as church leaders, we need to create like uh, some, some framework on how Christians should engage in technology, right? Like yeah. AI is changing the world. Um, we know social media is harmful to our health. Like mm-hmm. there will be warnings, you know, things pop up on apps like, like the, the skull on cigarettes. Like there will be health warning in, in our time. I think huh. in, in the future, you can put it here on this podcast. <laughs> I think in the future there will be a generation that looks back on our unrestricted access to this kind of technology, like yeah. we look at our grandparents smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I, I think wow. it's that, that. I mean, I think because we know, like, so is it g- good? I mean, there's some good things about it. Yeah, it it it's helpful. I'm not going to argue that it's not. Like the the information and the access and these things are cool, but you know the health studies that are out there undeniable that if you're 13 to 18 lady a woman a girl 13 to 18 years old is dramatically harmful to your health yeah like young kids you know dramatically harmful to your health we're seeing the impact of this these platforms to the next to a younger generation so yeah we know it's harmful so therefore yes we should be engaged in how do we engage with technology um like we need we need to think about these things deeply and have kind of a philosophy of use. Like I think every parent should not allow their kids to have a phone until fifteen or sixteen years old. Um, I'm saying that that's dramatic, but yeah. there are there's so much evidence of the harmful impact phones have on these kids. Totally. Like their brains are not fully formed. Like I know what it's like to grow up when the iPhone was released. Like oh, I yeah. was I was an adult when that like happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, like there I live without social media most of my life. And then now it's such an obvious thing. So there's a generation growing up where this in, this thing is inside everywhere. Yeah. So I do think we're gonna have to talk about it. In the same way we've talked about other things, LGBTQ, like how do we engage in all the conversations? We need to think deeply about these. Even if we disagree, we need to have discussion about it That's and good. disciple people into wholeness. So yeah.
0: in so many ways, it seems like our the church at large is just discovering. Like you say, it's a new frontier digitally. Um, and we're going to look back when we have more experience under our belt and think, Oh man, did we handle that poorly? Yeah. I'm going
1: to say something. Cause I think just to, to name some things like, we are having conversations about certain cultural things, 2008, you know, in the church. And the conversation was so naive. And I, you know, and I look at what's gone on in culture now and it's a different conversation. It's yeah. completely different. We, we We can talk about technology like social media or AI right now and be like, oh, you know, hopefully optimistic. But I think what we don't understand is there will be a point in our church in the next season. Where we'll have to tell people you don't bring your your robot to church yeah Mm. like you you don't have intimate relationships with ai like you're like wait what like that's where this is going like people are developing intimate relationships with artificial intelligence like that's a thing yes a subscription (sighs) for that right now yeah and so most of us are unaware but like that will be the norm in the same way it's like normal to have a tv in your house today or have a cell phone like it will be normal to have ai assisted robots and technology in our homes and develop these relationships where it will be like hey pick up my kids from the school like that will be in our future wow, and yeah. they'll they'll so we'll have to distinguish like what is human what is a soul yeah. and so yeah we do need to think we need some great yeah. people out there thinking about <laughs> these things i'm it's too big for my pick. Ba- no it's good <laughs> it's
2: i appreciate thing, you but, i appreciate you kind of going yeah. off on a tangent on that just cuz i was i'm i just so far, I've liked the the thoughts that you think and yeah. wanted to be like, think. oh, he's also a little you? weird. There's something. There. No, no, it's good. It's something that I've been wrestling with, with my own life and my family. And right. yeah, I, I realized recently, I haven't been on social media for a while for the most part. And, but I realized just the, the lack of autonomy we have when we're just like scrolling through something yeah. of even what we get to look at, you yeah. know, it, it, like we went from like picking out movies on the shelf where you get a, like, Check to see the rating and everything, and now you just scroll aimlessly, and an algorithm feeds you something. One hundred percent. I'm like, ooh, there's, it's kind of scary.
1: It is. It's and it's it's an algorithm that is weaponized to keeping you on the platform, yeah, right, and shaping your Mm -hmm. narratives and thoughts. So it's not a neutral, you know, app. It Mm -hmm. has a purpose, an agenda, and and that sounds scary. Well, it is scary. It's 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 trying to keep you addicted to its platform, and and is that a threat? to your discipleship? Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, you should not be on social media. If you are someone who are, are having like ticks and habits of like checking your phone constantly and you can't go a, a couple of hours without being on your phone, you should challenge that habit and behavior. Yeah. You're carrying your idol with you. Mm. Like, wow. I think about Ephesians nine, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Acts 19. When the church in Ephesus burned its idols right to Artemis and the city riots like they're like no we can't possibly have these scrolls to other deities we're gonna burn them and it's like the values like millions of dollars in today's money and like the whole city's economy shifts because of the church's radical obedience to the Lord and that like we we are living where it's like Jesus and Mm-hmm. Jesus and my sexuality, Jesus and my social media, Jesus and my addiction to pornography, Jesus and my anger outbursts that go unchecked, Jesus and my hidden secret life of consumerism. Like we have to get to the point where like it's Jesus and nothing else. Yeah. And we will, we will burn any other idol on up that gets in the way of my devotion to Christ. Amen. That's, On. that is, that is not radical. That is simply being a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. but we just made it something. It's not.
0: Whoa. So I'm, pre- I'm
1: sorry. I'm just preaching. No, it's <laughs> oh, great. I
2: love it. Um, we should probably land the plane.
0: Oh, yeah. It's to, been about an hour. To, Let's yeah. land it. Oh, this is excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we could go for hours. I longer. can crash the plane. If you don't, <laughs> <have a time. laughs> well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Now I'm just curious to know what that would <laughs> yeah. look like. Oh, I, well, I think at one point you used that description, like I'm carrying, I forget if this was on air or not. Dr. Seuss. The, the, yeah. yeah. The Dr. Yeah. Seuss yeah. amount yeah. of things that doesn't look like it should even balance because I'm over here thinking, oh no, I'm one of those people that doesn't tithe because I think it's legalistic and now I'm feeling convicted or, yeah. uh, wow, I should be fasting once a week. Or twice a week. Cause. Don't do it. <laughs> That's my least favorite. But, Fasting's tough. Oh, it's so hard. It's oh, hard. I man, love but it's like it's anointed. My mm-hmm. personal experience yeah. with fasting, a John yeah. Mark Comer sermon yeah. changed my life oh, because it introduced me to the concept of fasting. And wow. yeah, anyway, I could go on about that. But um I think what I've loved so much about your preaching and about your speaking is that um, you can go down all of these rabbit trails, and I see Christ likeness in mm. all of it. Yeah. Mm. And when it feels overwhelming, because I want it to like start to engage in all yeah. of it with my personal life, I'm I'm reminded by you that it's really simple. It's actually the easy yoke that yeah. just looks like being with Jesus yeah. and exemplifying Jesus in the world. Yeah. Um. And so I wonder if that's like a healthy way that we could try and land. Yeah.
1: Let's land it that way. Let's land it as okay with everything we talked about from the weaponized social media to ai coming into our church to (laughs) parenting and diapers and (laughs) off the rails for a second
2: my bad (laughs) but like
1: at the end of the day i love that's a great way to land it like the way forward right it is following jesus in your life right so for some of you, you've been doing this for a long time, reading lots of scriptures is easy. For some of you, reading a couple of verses is where you begin. Start, read the Bible, go on a walk, pray to God. Like, that can be it. And God's gonna bless whatever inch of your life you hand over to him. Mm-hmm. And I will promise you this, that journey of handing over an inch of your life at a time, it will consume all of you at some point. Because mm-hmm. that is the goal. The goal yeah. is not the practices. The goal is not getting really good at the spiritual disciplines. The goal is union. The goal is being transformed to fire. I love this this parable or this story from a desert father. It goes something like this. This this um, student comes to this, this monk, this father, and he says, I followed my little rule. Like I read my little book, the Bible. <laughs> I pray. I do my little fast. As far as I can tell, like this is all i do and and i'm paraphrasing this and the the leader responds and he simply says why not be totally transformed to fire and it's just this awareness like we we do these things thinking that that's it and the goal is absolute fire the huh. goal is being set alive and so if we get stuck in the practices man stop like go on a walk with God. Like if the Bible is causing issues right now, I re I love reading scripture. Like maybe there are seasons where you just do prayer walks. Like don't be so hard on yourself, give an inch at a time to the Lord and, and dedicate mm-hmm. that inch. So
0: that's excellent. Yeah.
2: That's yeah, a good way to I, that we wrap, wrap it up. I think. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Wow,
0: man. I, I'm thinking yeah. even how I want to walk away personally from this weekend. I'm thinking, I don't currently have someone discipling me mm. super intentionally. Yeah. I have had that in a couple seasons of my life. Um, and then I feel a little bit spread thin trying to disciple too many. Totally. Um, and so just to anecdotally say something I'm walking away with is how can I try and be a more healthy disciple and discipler yeah. in both directions? Yeah. So Mm-hmm. There's great. like an example of, I think what I'm walking away with. Yeah. 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 yeah hoping to continue to chew on that.
2: And for me, I'm, I've really felt a lot of conviction about just this idea of, man, I deserve this, whatever. yeah, And, and kind of just relegating um, my time to, yeah, whatever my flesh wants in that yeah. moment. And for the sake of, I deserve this. And I think that's a lie that I've picked up from the world. Yeah. And that was very evident, um, over the past couple of days. So wow. I'm going to be processing that and just taking that to the Lord for sure. Um, cause I don't want to, I want to be so much more intentional. Right. Like we don't have the time, you know, I don't yeah. have the time to just like sit on YouTube or whatever it is.
1: As, <laughs> as we close, let me just say one thing. Cause I don't want people walking away going, Oh man, I, j- I just can't have fun. Like I gotta be <laughs> serious. And like, sure. I think Jesus was probably the most happy human to ever live. Like he was probably so funny. I bet his humor was amazing (laughs) and joyful. And I think making the most of the time, like, paul is to actually also enjoy life right yeah, totally. enjoy meaningful relationships enjoy great moments with your families with your roommates with your friends like mm-hmm. enjoying life is spiritual discipline right it that's is like so good for some of us it's like all we do is work but i think some of us like i'm about to head on vacation so mm-hmm. that's perfect and i work hard my family we work hard we homeschool we lead a church together we travel and teach and I think I need the discipline of jo- enjoyment. <laughs> totally, <laughs> just slowing yeah. down to enjoy, you know. And and I think some people are listening going, Oh man, I'm so wound up. Like, yeah, actually you need to enjoy life. So let me just say that. That's
0: a good That's word. Excellent. That's so good. Wow, and we bless that enjoyment, trusting that the Lord is gonna meet you right where you need to be met oh, with it. all the laughter yeah. and the fun wrestling with your boys. And, yes. Yeah, and trust that there's good health yeah, in the midst you. of all of that. And yeah. oh we're just really overwhelmed with gratitude for you being a part of our weekend and yeah. a part of our family. Yeah, yeah. Moving forward, whatever that looks well, like, brother th- sister
1: church. Thanks for having me, and this is so fun. So we'll do it again. Looking forward right, to it next time.
2: Thanks, Darren. Right.
0: Cheers. Well done.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to Deep Waters at Riverhouse ministries.com and if you would like to join us at riverhouse for sunday service we meet at the vineyard boise at 4 p.m we'd love to see you there we cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends our theme music was written and recorded by the riverhouse worship team production is done by jordan sodeman special thanks to isaiah guerrero for our artwork benjamin olson writes and co-hosts with me jace langley and i also edit this bad boy If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.